podcast. Thanks for stopping by the podcast today. Um, if you haven't already, please subscribe, like, share with your friends, and make sure that you're paying attention to Facebook and the other platforms that you find us on because soon we'll be changing some things about the podcast like artwork, show name, and some other little things. And so just so that you're in the loop and already subscribed, it's best if you make sure that you're signed up. Thanks, guys. We figured that a we figured that a name that is a real word might improve our, our global <laughs> reach. And we are branching out into possibly like three or four words. It's true. So everything's yeah, on the table. Open for that. <laughs> It'll be fun though. So today we're doing more of a laid back episode. We've done a lot of fun games like. Uh, our spinoff of the screen drafts, which was drafting the best court of all time, which we did last week. So if you're new to the show, go catch up with that. We've also recently done an interview with Taylor Burks, as well as uh, Let's Argue, where me and Livy go toe-to-toe over music theory pedagogy. So if you are new to the show, go check those out. We appreciate it. Um, anyways, on to the show today. We're doing a laid-back thing, and... Before we get into that, Adam, Livy, anything to share about your week or the past month? Avoiding hurricanes? Uh, yes, <laughs> we will be playing Hurricane Dodgeball this coming week. That'll be fun. Well, you won't. Uh, yeah, I'm, it, things are looking okay for me now. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really just that. Uh... Yep. You know when, like in Dodgeball, you could get enough spin on the ball and it would like curve halfway through? Yeah. yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> yes, twice. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this last month I started a new job here in Hattiesburg. There's like a music studio um, that's kind of like a conglomeration of, of teachers working at this one place. And so like it's it's music lessons, uh, but all of it's organized through the main office of like this one business. Uh, so I started there. I'm teaching piano lessons now. That's super great. I think I have 20 students every week now. Uh, it's very exciting. It's been really, really cool. Um, I've never actually worked as like a music professional. Like I was technically making money to teach when I was at, in grad school at USM, but that was still more school than work. Um, and so it's just been cool to like interact with music on a on a daily basis, like with students and stuff, and be teaching, and then also to just be surrounded by other musicians and other people who are you know equally not even equally talented then most of them are better than me but have you know similar interests and, and knowledge and stuff like that it's just been cool to be in a place with musicians so that has been uh, a highlight of my last month really of, of 2020 for me i guess i graduated and i got a job at a music place but besides that everything about 2020 stinks <laughs> no it doesn't we started the podcast back we rebooted the pod that's 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 a third great thing uh, I did have an interesting story about a student that I have at um, this place is called Groove House here in Hattiesburg. Uh, one of my students at Groove House, really, really interesting place to start as a musician. He wants to get into composing and producing his own music, but like electronic music. He doesn't know anything about the piano. He doesn't know anything about music. However, he has been working with Logic for a while now. And in Logic, when he programs the notes, he can get it to either show up on, like, a staff or as a keyboard. And it'll show, like, the, the digital keyboard playing the stuff that he puts in. But he doesn't know how to read music. He doesn't. He literally knows nothing about, like, technical music. And mm-hmm. so, like, trying to understand his knowledge gap has been wild. 
because he sees notes in a staff all the time. He sees the keyboard all the time. But when he showed up, he didn't even know like the letter names of notes. It is the most bizarre knowledge gap that I've ever seen. It is crazy. Yeah, but like, um, so that one thing that Sarah's told me a couple times is that like reading note names is not reading music. So mm-hmm. like that is a weird thing that to not be able to have the language to explain what you're thinking or saying. But I think there right. is something cool about like he understands it on some level because he's oh, able totally, to totally. do all these things. And so it is. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely I'm definitely not trying to like drag him or anything like I think it's cool. And it's really also it's also great that he's wanting to supplement that by like taking piano lessons. Um, it's pretty cool what he's been able to accomplish just by using logic. Yeah. No, I, I'm on board with that. I'm just saying, like, as a teacher, trying to figure out what he knows and how and why he knows it has just been <laughs> a really unique challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think you were dragging him. I was just making sure that that was the cool part, is that, mm-hmm. like, whether, you know, you have plenty of, like, country musicians or pop musicians or something that, don't know all of the technical terms or something that doesn't diminish what they know about music they just don't know the same vocab words that we do yeah but we are better because we know the vocab words well (laughs) i'm just joking Uh, so one really cool thing that we were working i was trying to like explain rhythm to him not explain rhythm but like how we notate rhythm Mm-hmm. Um, so I was showing him like quarter notes and half notes and whole notes and stuff like that, talking about like the beats and, and time signatures. For one thing, he thought that a time signature, like the four, four, he thought that the top four was how many quarter notes were in it. And he thought the bottom four was how many times you loop it because yeah. he's coming at it from a digital looping kind of experience and background. And I, I thought that was really interesting. But what was most interesting was there's also a bit of a, a language barrier. English isn't his first language. And so like, there's also that second complication uh, of trying to like express these musical ideas to each other when we don't know the vocabulary and you know, the, the language is also kind of, so there's uh, just two different. different language barriers. Go on. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so like, yeah, it's been really cool. Like it's like a puzzle kind of like trying to figure out what we're talking about. Um, but one thing he said was he was like, and then you could put like a flag on the notes, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, you can add, because he's seen that before. And so I showed him like, oh, yeah, you can turn this into an eighth note. if You just add a flag on the end of it. And he's like, and that makes it longer, right? And I was like, no, actually, that like cuts it in half. Like now it's an eighth note. And he said, oh, well, I just thought that like, like with this little thing coming off of the back of it, it meant that you were supposed to like extend it out or like hold it longer. And I just thought that was a really interesting conclusion to come to because it makes like, like on a visual level, I under, yeah. I totally understand what he's talking about. Maybe not like the flag that like curls back in like on some music, but like how we notate like handwritten flags where they just kind of point off towards the right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, in a weird way that does make sense that you would that yeah i I totally understand where he's coming from it it makes it makes complete sense and it got me thinking about how the notation that we use has an internal logic to it but it is completely different than like our modern standards of graphic design and by like there's uh, like patterns but they're not super intuitive exactly yeah like taking a note head and like suddenly making it open. Nothing is intuitive about that. That would mean, oh, it's longer. Right. Like it's just not intuitive. 
maybe it used to be when that was first a thing, but and we know that, and that is consistent, and so that's an internal that's, that's an internal logic. You see, but externally, it's completely arbitrary. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know, because I guess to me it does make sense, but that's because I don't like when I taught my fourth through sixth graders just general notation and stuff. I don't teach them quarter notes as their first notes. I start mm-hmm. with the whole note, and so. For me, I'm never taking away from a note. I'm always adding on to it to make it shorter. That's fair. So that, well, I guess. I, yeah, but that. Which, that makes sense once you establish right, that right, right. pattern. But, like, if, like this kid, you were never taught the pattern, there's nothing actually intuitive about it. Okay, adding a stem is going to make it shorter. Closing in the note head is going to make it shorter. Like, there's nothing really intuitive. But if you learn the pattern even a little bit, then, yeah, it's pretty easy to catch on. And if you start going the other direction, like a double whole note or like a brev or something like that, you're adding (laughs) stuff again. So, like, that only works in one direction. And if you leave some notes out. Like, yeah, none of your band kids are going to see a brev, like, maybe ever. But... You don't know. I play stuff (laughs) and. What would the time signature be? Four one, <laughs> <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah, Super quarter notes are well, now just, your sixteenth yeah, so notes. Like, I was just thinking about graphic design is like it's supposed to be visually intuitive. Like all, I can't think of the word for it, but you know, there, there are types of designs that you're supposed to understand and like be able to respond to and, and perform like an action or, or or something like immediately mm-hmm. because just of the way mm-hmm. that it is designed. But music is not like that. It's so like, like notation um, is so mm-hmm. evolved and like mashed together. Like it's a bunch of fragments from different regions and different time periods mashed together to make some sort of sense. Right. It's kind of interesting. Like it, we have to, when we do music history now, we have to like learn how to read Gregorian chant. But off the top of my head, granted, I haven't done this in like two years, but I remember it being a little bit more intuitive in the way that like the notes were actually spaced out. Mm-hmm for length and if you had a series of short notes they were going to be like small dots really close to each other that's how i remember yeah being yeah exactly um and I, I think some of that also comes along with like the rise of, of copy editing and printing of music it all has to look the mm-hmm. same so there had to be like a standardized uh, a very standardized thing i can't think of it <laughs> it just had to be standardized and so that you could yeah. print it more easily and that makes a lot of sort of emotive or intuitive notation not as financially feasible you know yeah to be mass produced but i think what you're getting at is like a similar point that harrison brought up in the pieces of tradition which was like how we notate what's closest to tonic doesn't actually show you that visually wasn't that one Mm -hmm. of the things that he was getting at in that book I thought that that was more for analysis purposes, was it not? I mean, yeah, I was saying for analysis, but... Oh, okay. No, I didn't... In case you haven't read... Uh, what's his first name? What's that guy's name? Daniel. Daniel Harrison. In case you haven't read Daniel Harrison's book, Pieces of Tradition, what Seth is talking about is, is in that book, he uses different note shape, like notation shapes, like note heads or stems or, or things like that to show exactly how consonant a note is in, in relation to tonic, where tonic is represented as like a, a double brev or something, and then like the like the tritone is represented as like a 128th note or, or something like that. Um, just trying to show the relationship between the notes visually. Yeah, so the, the 
like the close the bigger the note value or the rhythmic value the greater its important importance is in the hierarchy yeah which the hierarchy thing was not a new idea at all but to show it visually like that um was was an interesting part of that book yeah um I don't know what I liked about. But even so, but yeah. even so, that 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 visual depiction uses all the the trappings and formal depictions that we are already using in music. It's adapting things that already existed, right? And so it also makes it also has an internal logic, but is undecipherable in a visual way, like in in a purely instant stimulation, graphic design intuitive way. Right. Anyway, I just been thinking about that, about how notation is weird and not like graphic design, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it'd be interesting to try to mm-hmm. like try to present musical ideas to a really talented graphic designer and try to see like what do they come up with to try to to notate music. This is an experiment, not that it would catch on, but just to see like what would this be like if you were to try to make design a way for music to be visually intuitive i hope you go down this rabbit hole and slowly end back to like early 2000s itunes visualizers (laughs) (laughs) i had there was a visualizer on the playstation one do you remember that um if you put in a cd instead of a game disc you could you could load up a visualizer maybe that's not i remember that on like windows media yeah it was the same thing but it was on a playstation so i had like three cds as a kid and i would slap those on and uh my sister and i would try to see like how wild we could get the visualizer to go you see and one of those three cds they were u2 cds you could have talked about because just for the audience at some point i would like to do another album episode but we're thinking about not making it Two parts like we did, maybe condense it down to one. So if you would like that idea, let us know. We're thinking about maybe childhood albums, maybe like future albums. Like as a draft or just a discussion? Just a discussion. Oh, okay. Oh, did you want to do like uh look I all from look, the year I'm 2000 be opposed pop to, albums? <laughs> I'm never gonna be opposed to doing a draft album. Like I mean a draft list. I, I loved the draft, I think it's super fun. I have listened to more screen drafts in the last month than any person uh, should. Uh, I have a problem. It's a great concept. Love stealing from them. We just got to pace ourselves. That's all. <laughs> no, I think we should just Britney and Pink albums. And who else would be in that? Some We could throw Avril Lavigne in there. Oh, just boy. <laughs> now, now, see, 2000s pop is not the one that I would want to do. But sure, you guys can draft. I'll be the... The whatever hey, isn't that when you two got onto the pop scene with vertigo what when when was vertigo 2005 it might have been released as a single in 2004 i mean it's close enough to 2000 yeah that song's not great no i, li- I that is my least that the album that comes from is my least favorite u2 album um bef- which you might find out about there might be a there might be a u2 episode in the works but just stay tuned oh you've also definitely told people that you hate that album before yeah i have i have so <laughs> i told somebody so i I was talking to people you know like i said now i work in a workplace with musicians and we talk about music a lot which is great um but somebody was talking about their favorite bands and we were just kind of asking around and i was like well you know I hate to say it, it's true my favorite band is u2 and the guy he wasn't even quite shocked he just was like huh and he said i've never met anybody whose favorite like f- drink was water before 
I said, well, yeah, that, that's fair. That's very fair. So, wait, hold up. He said favorite drink was water? He said I've never met anybody whose favorite drink was water. So, essentially, he was saying that you 2 is essential to the livelihood of everybody. Yeah, no, it was, it was in a sense, it was a, it was a backhanded compliment, you know? Like... It, it it placed them at a very foundational place in, in music I'm history. I'm surprised that I it's the favorite, but everybody should have you two in their life. Exactly. Yeah. All right. That's enough about you. Livy, what do you have going on? Two. Whoa. What? You're slipping that two in there. I meant you yeah. as the person, mm-hmm. not the band. Oh, okay. It is enough about you two, though. I really should not just talk about that all the time in the podcast. <laughs> it's just so hard not to. I feel like there's two extremes. It's you two, and then it's rap and hip-hop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we haven't done one of those in a while. I should come up with a new idea for that. Do another rap episode. We could do a draft one with that. We could do a draft of anything. That's what I'm saying. It would be, And all of them would be fantastic. <laughs> it's just we cannot rob these people every time. Yeah. We keep giving them Livy. props, though. But yeah, Livy, what's yeah. going on with you? Oh, not much, honestly. Just same old, same old. Um, I have also been listening to a lot of screen drafts because it's great. And I've been listening to all the Harry Potter audiobooks. I would highly recommend. Ooh, I do what's, have... uh, what's your favorite Harry Potter not book? Not that that's a hot take. <laughs> oh, well, I haven't gotten through all of them yet. I just finished listening to the fourth one. Okay. Um, I have to say, I mean, I've watched the movies so many times. They're like just a comfort background movie for me. So I'll just like watch them on repeat. And my favorite movie, it's a hard pick between one and two. Um, And so I really like those books because I really like those movies. Wait, have you not Um, read the books? I read the books like when I was a kid. And then I read them up to the point that as they were coming out, I would read each one when it came out. But I haven't reread them since then. I just rewatched. So the as over. you're listening to, like, you just listened to four. Was there like several things that you uh-huh. were like, "Oh, this isn't right in the movie"? Yeah, I was about to say four. So far is the one where I'm like, "Oh my gosh, there's a whole like they only had half of this book in the movie." Yeah, and like, like there's so much going on in four that was not in the movie. Well, it was crazy. I I read the first four books as a, as a young child. I probably started right mm-hmm. before four came out as a book so like six years Which, old go on yeah, yeah no that, that just placed <laughs> yeah. me at like six or seven years old um my grandfather read the first one he really liked the first one and so then i i read one through four and my mom was reading it behind me mm-hmm. and she got to the end of four which is admittedly fairly yeah. creepy and kind of intense and said yes eh, i don't know about this especially because the next one was supposed well, to i mean that's when it does turn dark. right exactly that's... and the next book was like oh yeah, yeah more of that plus like you know teen yeah. romance and stuff like that. and i was seven it just gets darker and darker as it goes from the end of four. Right. And like, so my mom was like, just let's just pump the sure. brakes here and <laughs> yeah. just see what happens. And and then I fell out of it. I never picked them up again. I've reread the first one mm-hmm. and now I've I've seen all the movies. Yeah. Against somewhat against my will, but they're they're fine. So did you never read five? No. And I was gonna say is that I barely remember any four because I re- I genuinely was too it's young to be reading. Five it. is like such a long book. I don't remember it. Five is my favorite movie. Oh my gosh. But oh my gosh, you should read the book just to see. Because I, I remember like reading that book. Uh, no, it wouldn't have been like around the time the movie came out. But because I read that younger than when that came out. But I it was like fresh enough on my mind that like I could remember the book when I was watching the movie. And like, I mean, they can only put a fraction of that yeah. book into yeah. it. 
Is that the longest it's one? So yep. long. I yeah, thought I thought Goblet was one. the longest, but maybe not. No, no this yeah. one's like twice what Goblet Order of the was Phoenix or something. Is massive. Oh, okay. Okay. But Livy, I want you to know six, so the Half Blood Prince. That is by far my favorite. Like four is good. I remember. But six. Is that your favorite movie too, or or just? Oh, book? the movie's like trash. I really like. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the sixth movie. I like I liked right? movies five and six. And I I do need to make a correction. I said five was my favorite movie. Uh that is true if we're just talking about Harry Potter the person, but as a whole, for the whole series, uh the first Fantastic Beasts is my favorite movie in that universe. Oh, it's really good. I I like didn't watch those for a long time because I was so opposed to her branching out that world. I was like, No, you should have just <laughs> left it. Uh, oh no, she stinks for a number it's of really reasons. Good. But the reasons, movie was, yeah, was that, good. Um, it was good. I still haven't finished the second one. I watched like half of I, it. I didn't see that one. Like I said, I'm not invested enough in Harry Potter to like go out and catch that at the theater. And then I heard it was not great. No. So, um, eh. I, I would put it as until I see like whatever else comes in it to finish that like trilogy that it felt very whatever the most recent Star Wars was. What was that? Last Jedi? No, Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Like, if you watched it with no understanding of what the universe was or anything, you would go, yeah, this was a fine movie. However, if yeah. you know things, it was like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. But as I've told, I don't know if I've explained it on the podcast. And if I have, then just hit like the 15 second button until we get past this. But it's okay. We've talked about how Aragon has the same plot as Star Wars like four times on accident. So as uh, that was worthy of being covered multiple times. And you know what? I'd like to talk about it again. So here's the thing about Aragon. <laughs> it's a boy in a farm who discovers he has special powers. Also, they always advertise that he was like a 15 year old who wrote this book, and you know it's like a big deal that he got published and everything. But his parents like were partners with or owned some of the publishing companies so not all that impressive uh i i don't know what that's supposed to mean people are allowed to take handouts from their parents adam i yeah well i guess so but (laughs) but also she's not as impressive as maybe they advertise that's all you mean because anybody can publish anything yeah i guess i mean he does have a very fancy book cover and i don't have that so those books do have really good art. Sorry, you talk about your thing. I didn't. I, that was a joke. I didn't actually mean to talk about Aragon. Where was I going with it? Uh, oh, the Harry Potter thing. Have we talked about music on this podcast yet, or, or what's the deal? Harry here? Potter has some music, <laughs> but the problem. John Williams. The problem is just the first one, though, right? With the no. well, yeah, yeah, it's John yeah. Williams. But just the first one. I don't think he did the rest. Um, he did the themes, I and then they use did. all the themes, but. I thought other people. Did I know that he didn't do five, and five is my favorite soundtrack. That was Nicholas Hooper. Uh, he did the first three. I say favorite. I yeah, mean, I was going to say John. I thought, I thought it was two for sure. Of course, I love the music from one, but I like five. Okay, so. Anyway, Seth, what were you saying? The I think the problem with like, J.K. is in the original seven, she had a very specific build up to four of everybody was doing something, and then she could reveal the bigger plot in four. Of like, oh, this is all connected. But with um, Fantastic Beasts universe, she didn't have that set up. So it's like, okay, I guess I just got to jump straight into like, there's a bad guy. And it to me, it just doesn't feel like she knows how to do that as much. And so 
those movies just feel stranger. But that seems fair. Yeah, that was it. So the sixth movie I think is really funny. <laughs> um, it's disappointing the things that they leave out from the book because the book was super cool, but the movie there's um on YouTube there's like some like minute and a half thing making fun of it as like the teen romance comedy i can't think of the words i'm trying to say i apologize but that video is super funny so i'll have to send that to you guys later if you haven't seen it have you unlikely so okay (laughs) you'll enjoy it then adam okay um there was one other thing that happened that i wanted to tell you guys about yeah Uh i was um i guess i'm allowed to talk about this i don't know why i wouldn't be uh i will be presenting at the online version of the snt national conference oh that's awesome at the end of the at the end of the year it's in november i think um now it's only the russian special interest group i did not get onto the main conference hey but still i mean to get in at all and I think they said that uh, they approved four out of seven. So, like, odds were pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but, I'd yeah, my, my thesis about Stravinsky was good enough for, I mean, not, I didn't send the whole thesis, but the, uh, the topic that I wrote my thesis on about Stravinsky and his, ato- his serial music, I submitted a paper, uh, a proposal for to the Society of Music Theory Russian Music Special Interest Group, and I was approved. And so I have to make, like, a video presentation and send it to them. And then during the t- slot that they were going to have it in real life, like there's going to be a bunch of people online asking questions about it. Like they're taking the entire hour that everyone was going to present and turning the whole thing into like questions that's going to happen after they've watched the presentations. I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but mm-hmm. well, that's, like that's a thing. That's awesome. And um, sorry, Libby, were you going to say something? No. Oh, okay. Uh, there, like I've posted a couple things, uh, piano series to the Our Stats Facebook page, and those are super enjoyable, and they're done through the um, Francis Clark Center. But basically, they do pre-recorded videos, and then the guest artist talking about the music or taking questions in between like videos. So maybe it's a setup like that. Probably, and I assume they're going to segment it, so it's like, all right, now is the time for questions about blank. All right, now it's time for the questions about whatever. And so... They don't segment it. They're just showing your video, and they're letting people, like... Then it's an hour of just people yelling at you. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not even, like... It's just through a Zoom call or something. It's not yeah. one of the platforms where people can't just say something. It's it's 30 Stravinsky experts wanting to beat down my door and find where I live. Like, <laughs> How could you do this? <laughs> so I'm excited about that. It's going to be good. It's a little less stressful knowing that I'm going to like pre-record a presentation because then you don't have to do it live. Mm-hmm. And that'll be fine. I have no problem with doing yeah. it live, but I just know I'll be less nervous that I can like perfect it and then deliver it to them. And then, well, I don't know. We'll see how the questions go, however that works. And if I can answer all of them. Well, and hopefully the practice of like doing podcasts, you'll feel comfortable like recording the audio separate from the video track. And so you could have really clean audio. Whereas there's just, with so many video and internet based things over the past couple of months, 
it's the realization that some people are not aware that their audio quality is not as good as they think it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like you've got a good shot at least being, you know, pleasurable to like the ears. Uh, yeah, they haven't sent me like the deadline yet of when they need that presentation by, so I genuinely have not thought about it at all. <laughs> Before we started recording, there are two things I wanted to tell you about. And one of them was my story about my student and like the notation stuff. And the other one was about getting accepted at the conference. And I forgot what the second one was. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's been like exciting, but not that exciting. <laughs> no, that's that just, is super that's exciting. That's just because that's where I am in life. That's not because it's I'm not honored or, or very happy about it. It's just it's not here yet. Yeah, I get that. It also felt so that I presented a paper at LSU my first year in my master's program and there was, like, I don't know that I changed my paper from what I presented in class that much, because I felt good about it. I didn't see any reason, like, Dr. Russ didn't say that much about, like, yeah, you're just wrong here. You should probably change this. So it's like, yeah, seems fine to me. But there was, it felt odd that you didn't have that step of, like, somebody checking what you're about to say before you tell a bunch of people. Yeah. Like, should somebody look over this? Well, what that's if I'm what, just wrong. I mean, even just in the writing process, I was still nervous about that because I don't know. Like, I I guess Rust would have stopped me, but it just it felt like every time I put down like a definitive statement, all I could hear in my head was like, "Well, there's somebody who knows more about this than me." So if I get this definitive statement wrong, just yeah, like, but gut me, you, see, you know. I was trying I, to I, write specifically. Specifically, there's one piece that I used. That is Stravinsky, and he's working with the 12-tone row, and there are transpositions of the row, and that just doesn't happen that often. And by that often, I think I mean ever. I don't think Stravinsky (laughs) ever composed another piece that used a full 12-tone row with transpositions of that row. However, to write that down and submit it somewhere feels really scary, because if there's one that I missed, somebody else definitely knows about it. Mm Yeah, I don't know. You'll be all right. Yeah. You see, my thesis was just... Since it was the narrative-based stuff, and it was fairly subjective. Yours was entirely was... made up. Nobody could complain about anything. <laughs> it wasn't that. I, f- I feel good about mine. Also, do you guys get a little email like once a month that's like, hey, this many people have looked at your thesis on Aquilia? Uh, not yet, but I think it's been less than a month since mine was finalized, maybe. Livy, do you get one? I don't think so. Okay. I got one that said it was published like i got one last week that said now it's officially up people can find it but i have not had any readers yet no oh i definitely i actually might get an occasional update i emailed it to that person that i told you guys about that wanted to read it um now it's very exciting she said she'd get to it eventually but i'm still waiting to hear back (laughs) that is cool she's just stealing all your ideas and she's gonna present she was right before you wanted to do a serial stuff so yeah totally she's gonna present right before you at the conference (laughs) <laughs> just give your whole presentation under a different name with like a slightly altered premise which is a better title same paper better title <laughs> and alphabetically it's just it was a better title too so she gets bumped up because yeah mm-hmm. no that'd be funny yeah. but yeah i do think it's funny that people are reading my thesis or at least opening it <laughs> like it's a good thesis and i think it makes sense to me but there's also some like yeah, I feel like there's a lot of this community that isn't hip to this. Yeah. I always think it's interesting that people find our theses on the platform that it's on because it's not ProQuest. And that's where 
I would look for anything if I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah, I think I asked Doctor Rust about getting on ProQuest, and I don't remember exactly what he answered, but it was also the point. It was like I don't care where it ends up. I just need the graduate school to accept it. It's like. Well, I think you could put it on ProQuest, but you might have to pay for it or something. Yeah, that was part of it. I I just emailed him to be like, hey. because USM doesn't pay for it anymore. If I want people to read this, what do I need to do? Because I do want people to read it. Like, what's the, like, career-wise, professionally, what should I do to make sure that this is as as available as possible? And he was just kind of wishy-washy about it. And it was like, well, I need it done now, and I don't want to pay for it. So I'm not going to do that right now. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I mean... I think it all depends if, like, I decide at some point that I want to go back to the academic world. Whereas right now I'm pretty happy teaching, like, high school and under kids and doing, you know, a music theory podcast, which is a super niche thing. Oh, he, this is what it was. I found the email. He did recommend that I, that I put it on ProQuest. However, he told Mm -hmm. me that I probably need to get permission from the publishers of the scores that I used. Oh, yeah. And that seemed like. Uh, an extra step I didn't want to deal with yet. <laughs> I've done that a couple times. It's not that hard, but yeah, it's like there's another step and you do have to wait a while. Yeah, and it's just like the music that I use well, is not Well, and didn't you like use an entire score technically? Well... They may not okay that. I mean, it's a page. Like, I don't know what you were supposed well, to do. But yeah, exactly. The piece is a like page a long. It's a page and it's seven measures or something, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is seven measures long. It takes up one yeah. page. So you don't really have a choice, but they may be like, you can't do that. Uh, there, There is one piece that I used the entire page of, but I put mm-hmm. a lot of notes over the top of it, like a lot of boxes and circles and lines and stuff. So I yeah. feel like as a performer, if I'm trying to steal music, I definitely don't want that copy. But I did no. technically put an entire score in my thesis, and I, I don't think that they would like that very much. I mean, yeah, but I think there's also who's performing Stravinsky that would be to the point of like, ah, I don't want to pay for this Stravinsky score. Maybe there's a thesis somewhere where I could <laughs> steal it. I mean, sure, but that is <laughs> what they're actually going to say. Like that That's their whole job. <laughs> No, I mean, <laughs> I get it, but, like, my thing is, if anybody was going to advocate for actually buying scores and things like that, it would be, um, you know, university professors and other things, mm. or, like, super professional musicians. Yeah. Whereas I do, you know, things like go undescribed and see, okay, who has posted, like, the entire Imagine Dragons book for this <laughs> album? And then 100%. rearrange things from there. But I gotta use Scribed more. I'm still paying for it. I stopped for a while and then I picked it back up. But there's like a reminder once a month where I'm checking like the bank account. It's like, yeah, you got charged like twelve dollars for Scribed. I was like, oh yeah, that's <laughs> a thing. Where did this come from? I'm poor. <laughs> and then realized it was just Scribed, and I just don't use it. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. There's that, and then there's the fact that Audible sent me an email. I was like, hey, congratulations. You've got, like, four credits that you haven't used. And I was like, oh, yeah. So when Livy was bringing up Harry Potter, I was like, I could get into Harry Potter again. Yeah. I could do that. But there's also... Hours and hours of entertainment. Yeah, my problem is, though, I've been 
getting up at 4.30 to leave the house by 5.30 to get to school at 6.15 because kids might be showing up because they're running the buses twice, so they have to drop off extra early. And so with baseball and basketball picking back up, that's based... Those have been the two like primary podcasts of, okay, let me just listen to this and drink my coffee on the way to work. Yeah. I get to listen to audiobooks like while I work, depending on what I'm doing. So Lucky, lucky. If I didn't listen during lucky. work, I probably wouldn't be able to like get through my books before they expired. Yeah, I, I loved, I had a job before this that I could listen to podcasts and music while I was at work, and that is the dream. I can't do that while I'm teaching piano lessons, unfortunately. Exactly. Listen to another album while a student is playing. Just be one of the <laughs> cool teachers where you've got like an AirPod in constantly. Is that is that what a cool teacher does? Uh, no, I don't think so. I okay, just, yeah. <laughs> there were definitely some teachers at like the previous school that I worked at where they seemed to just have one in mm. one ear constantly. I was like, all right. I guess that's it's one way to live your life. They 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 live in an Aaron Sorkin movie. They always got to be doing the walk and talk. <laughs> I was gonna say, are you gonna do a walk in impersonation for us? Because that is what we're missing from the like Adam Bingo card. Yeah, sorry, no, not today. We talked about you too. We talked about Eric. <laughs> we got the free space. We <laughs> see two more and we're there. Space. It's just a free space. You don't have to have something to get oh, on. Okay, I see, I see, I see. Yeah. Um. So I guess if you guys don't have anything else, the what I've started doing, it, which is probably not the right way to live my life, but while Sarah goes to virtual church, I sit next to her and I've been reading. So that mm-hmm. I started the lives the Bible. Of, no, <laughs> started reading church. the lives of great composers. Um, but, oh yeah, you, you mentioned that to us the other day. Yeah, so it's pretty good. Um, I it did throw me back to uh, bib class briefly because I just did the Schubert chapter this morning, mm-hmm. and so yeah. it as I was reading it, I was like, you know, I wonder if it's going to bring that up that article where we were like had this great debate over whether or not Schubert was gay or not, and I remember reading the article and thinking, why would I care? Like. That. Wasn't that the debate? Well, did we talk about that like in a bit? Was, do I not remember that? Yeah, there's an article about it, but I feel like the debate was, do we care? <laughs> or was it like it's bad research or something? What was what was his point? There were well, remember. it was around when we were talking about um, lies my teacher told me and getting across yeah. the point of like, is there a bias and interpretation and all of this? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so I think that. Like, that's why he had it placed there was because it was tying into the whole, don't you think the author of this might have had an implicit bias when mm-hmm. he was writing this? Yeah, and, that if you come at it with, like, the preconceived notion of, I want to make Schubert gay. Yeah. That the, the, that's what the article was, was kind of doing. I mean, he totally might have been. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't remember the article or really much of the discussion, so I don't know. Right, but I do think, like, our conversation either after class or before it or something was basically why do we care about this not that it's unimportant but like i don't care if he was gay it doesn't affect me one way or the other so i think i probably said that more just because i didn't care much about the class (laughs) whoa shots probably i was probably more driven by bibliography than it was about any other issue so anyways um 
the lives of great composers, it's been a lot of fun to kind of read. I've never been super big on history, especially since it always feels like a bunch of trivial facts to me that I've had to learn and memorize for class, and I don't like that. But this one is very much, here's like what composers did or what they experienced in their own time. And generally most uh, like composers take up 10 pages. So, you know, it's kind of a fun, like, okay, I can read through a composer a day or over the weekend and it doesn't feel like it's too intimidating. Mm-hmm. But I would say it feels weird to say because of recent events that I'm doing this, but I do think that recent events has played a part. Um, I was looking through it and there's not a ton on Amer- um, composers of any other color other than white, really. So, yeah. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, so the the other book that I started as like kind of the companion for it was The Lives of Black Composers by Susan Eileen. Segregation is alive and well. I mean, not by me. Am I allowed to make that joke? Is that going to get cut? What do you think happens there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, and so that like it was just it was very enlightening to go through the book and there's a specific like here's american composers chapter and like scott joplin didn't make the cut but we put aaron copeland in there and it's just odd because in my mind it's like more people would know the would recognize hearing the music of scott joplin than they would of aaron copeland and not that either one is lesser than the other, but it just, it seemed weird that we would treat it that way. So um, that one's been a lot of fun too, just because there were things that I wasn't, like, I think if I had thought about it, I may, I would have gotten there, but I didn't like think about it and realize it and know it that even um, like before the Revolutionary War in America, you still had plenty of, things that were happening where um, African-Americans were playing music. It, you know, they were violinists, French horn players, and other things. And the reason we know that is because of newspaper clippings and other things documenting that. Um, so it was just kind of cool to learn about that and that it wasn't like, you know what? In 19, or 1890, finally, you know, one of them figured it out. It's like, no, people of color have always been able to do these great things. Yeah, I told you guys about an argument that I had on the on the music theory Discord. There it is again. Mm-hmm. Is that the free? I think me talking about me complaining about the music theory Discord is the free space. That's what it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, after all the the whole Shanker Journal stuff came out, where they were. In case you don't know, wow. Okay, you said you had ten minutes. I don't think we have ten minutes for this. No, that's uh, a separate episode. <laughs> yeah, of, we we won't, we might do a whole episode on that. I don't know. Um, guess basically, what? Shankers are racist. Yeah, shocker! Wow. <laughs> oh man! And somebody said, "Hey, we should probably like talk about and, and deal with the ways that you know we've let kind of this racist ideology um, direct a lot of music theory." And a, a big journal article came out last month that was like, "Actually, no, we shouldn't. We should just ignore it, and maybe you're the racist." Um, <laughs> 
oh yeah so the music theory discord um i brought this up to them to see if anybody was talking about it and the answer was no nobody was talking about it until i brought it up and then many people were talking about it and it didn't go very well um <laughs> but they were like well yeah it was europe 300 years ago why would you expect to hear from any black composers and i was like what what <laughs> like, i mean for one thing you got like a whole planet like let's talk about some other other music you know they had music in other places right no, 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 no. and secondly like how do you know that there weren't when none of them get published or talked about like what are your sources on knowing who all the major black composers were if all of your textbooks and education only talked about the white ones like <laughs> yeah. that was a mess that was a mess i had to leave again i'm out i'm out i'm done with them i'm not going back i swear it's like it's like you have to go to rehab every couple months. It's it's a relapse. I relapse, and I well, honestly, it's because I was trying to get I was trying to get the podcast out there, but nobody seemed to care very much. And then everybody said that I was the racist one, and I was like, okay, this probably isn't worth it. No, what it, no, what is impressive is me saying something to a guy that I work with at Rock and Mozart, and then like all of a sudden, because I'll watch the statistics in Singapore would pop up and there was like 20 episodes downloaded there it's like what in the world could be going on there this has to be a bot or something right because we've seen some pop up in australia or canada or berlin for the podcast you mean yeah yeah and so like i've seen it pop up all over but then this very specific and high volume number was crazy Uh and then i was talking to my friend at rock and mozart and it was like oh yeah i have a friend over there who's into that stuff so that's probably him and like another friend of his i was like wow nice look at us we're world famous <laughs> that is that is why we're changing the name though because we would like to rely less on like single person to single person word of mouth we would like to be found more organically yeah so again um as we're kind of wrapping up we be on the lookout for a name change and possibly some new artwork and other things like that. And, you know, please like, share. It does still help to tell your friends about it because I think, like, we've gained some followers from people I've talked to. Adam said he's talked to a couple people recently that listened it to us and, you know, enjoyed it. So everything helps. I have a friend who doesn't have a music degree who enjoys listening to it a lot, so... Uh, look at it. Look at us. Branch out, you know, be a we're little creative with people. your recommendations. It might just yeah. be that we're interesting people, huh? Maybe. Have you thought of that? Just uh, recommend us for being interesting well, people. Come on. <laughs> and I had so much fun recording the draft. I'm advocating for us playing more like games and stuff like that. Yeah, we'll try to come So up if you're with into more that concepts. or have friends that would be into that, we're going to try and do some more. Just it's fun to have different formats cuz we like talking about articles and albums and all that stuff it's just nice to mix it up and the draft was a really good yeah mix up. and and we're trying to keep it we're trying to keep it varied you know this sort of started because we just realized there wasn't a lot of like specifically podcasts but like media on the internet that was about music but from a more theory perspective and so we don't have to go like super deep graduate level academic stuff every time like the goal here is just to talk about music talk about music on like a deeper level with a theory background, like with a theory perspective. 
And so we can do that with pop music. We can do that with read academic stuff. We can read the articles. We can play the games. It's kind of just intended to to just like check a lot of boxes, you know, like to come at it from a theory perspective. And so, yeah, there's lots of stuff that we can do. That's it. Oh, no. I remember the other thing that I was going to say. Adam, for those who are playing I'm going to leave that gap in there. I'm going to leave that in because that was just an eternity. (laughs) And then you came in with something completely unrelated. (laughs) I mean, I didn't know what else to say. I I thought my internet went down. Like, I was... (laughs) I made this really heartfelt plea about, you know, the concept of the pod. And then Seth's like, oh, 15 minutes ago. (laughs) I mean, I agree with your plea. (laughs) But no, Adam, I was thinking while you were saying all those things, because unfortunately I have like 12 thoughts at the same time and Mm -hmm. two of them make it out. But um, do you want to give one more like Adamism? For those playing at home, see if they can get to five on their bingo card. Uh, no, and we'll I, have to subsequently make a bingo card for people. No, I think I'm, I think I'm all done for today. <laughs> Let's see. What would... My walking my walk just isn't practiced enough for me to put it on the air right now. Um, what about your Larry David? It's, uh, it's pretty, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> what about your Bernie Sanders? <laughs> Uh, it's not as good. <laughs> now, however, my Larry David as Bernie Sanders, impeccable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.